0: Only then, that which is nameless, comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti Podcast. The flame of discontent, because it has no outlet, because it has no object in which it can fulfill itself, becomes great passion. Hello and welcome to episode 195 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is Discontent. Upcoming themes are Reward and Punishment – seriousness and hurt. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in the UK which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit KrishnamurtiCentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on discontent has five sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Rishi Valley, 1967, titled Discontent is one thing, revolt another.
0: You know, there is a great deal of discontent in the world which expresses itself in many ways. In America it takes one form, in Europe, which includes England, it takes another form, in China, in Russia, probably in Japan, and also it must take place, it must... this discontent must be translated in different ways in India, too. So there is this enormous discontent in the world, discontent against the establishment. You know what the establishment is? In America it is the established order, the established society. In Europe it takes the same form that which is established, that which is a group of people who rule, who have tradition, who have different kind of outlook on life and so on. And also here, that discontent, if it does exist, is against the holy cow. You know the holy cow? That is, again, the established order. So there is this discontent, this total dissatisfaction against against the things that are as they are. In America it is the expression of the hippies – you have heard about the hippies, yes? Grow long hair. Put extravagant clothes on. Grow, don't grow, grow beards. Not necessarily wash. And amongst them, there are people, amongst the hippies, there are people who are very, very serious. Young boys and girls who want to lead a different kind of life who want to create a different kind of society. So they are in tremendous revolt. And the revolt takes the form of growing long hair, putting on odd clothes, not washing, not going to offices, not passing examinations, not knowing exactly what they are going to do in the future, and amongst them there are peop- boys and girls, who have formed a small group. One of them earns money and the rest of them live on what that single person has earned, a kind of community. And in New England it takes another form, the, the beatniks, the Beatles, the – what are the other names? – the mods. the Rollers, and so on and on and on. Again, the same thing. Long hair, beards, dirty clothes, unwashed faces. And it's very difficult to distinguish between a boy and a girl. Because the boys have very long hair up to their shoulders, even longer. And girls, obviously, have long hairs too. So when you walk behind them, as we did, you really don't know who is a girl and who is a boy, (coughs) and they don't mind. Some of them walk barefooted, and in England it's very cold, (coughs) and in London it's very dirty. And in Italy it takes another form, they are called capellones, long-haired ones. There, too, they're against the church, against the government, against the established order. And here, probably, it is not so violently expressed, except among the university, among the students. But their revolt is rather very, very superficial. Throughout the world, this superficiality is expressed. just to revolt against things as they are. They don't understand the real depth of what is involved in a society, what actually takes place emotionally, psychologically, inwardly. So knowing all that what is going on in America, in Europe, in Russia, in China and different parts of the world and in this country too, I wonder to what extent each one of us who are being educated here, to what extent we are discontent. And how are we going to express that discontent? You know what discontent is? To be dissatisfied, to feel that the things aren't right, that the government, the family, the parents, the university, the way one lives… One feels all these things are not satisfactory, they don't answer the real problems of life. One may pass an exam, have a job, get married, have children, but that's not the end. And most people are satisfied with that, they're caught up in society and just drift And if one is probably, properly, rightly educated, one must have this tremendous discontent. You know, discontent is one thing, revolt is another, and revolution is quite a different thing. Most of us are discontent, discontent with little things. I like to have a better house, a bigger car, I like to look nicer than, I like, than the other person, I like to pass a little more, get more marks, in, and so on, so on, so on, so on. A superficial discontent, and which results in nothing generally. One is very easily satisfied when one gets what one wants, one says, all right, everything is all right. It's a lovely day, beautiful sky, I have everything I want, I'm satisfied. That's one form of discontent which soon finds gratification, satisfaction and settles down. Then there is the revolt, revolt against society, against the established order. There is such poverty in the world, not only physical but inwardly, there is such misery, there are so many wars. And there is no peace in the world, there is no freedom, there is a constant ache and agony in the human mind and heart. So one revolts against all that. Again that revolt is a reaction which doesn't bring about the right order. So one asks oneself, what will bring about right order in the world? So how does one, seeing all this confusion in the world, this discontent which soon finds satisfaction and settles down, this revolt? which doesn't fundamentally answer all the problems of life. One asks oneself, as you must if you are at all educated or being educated, how does one bring about order, not only outwardly so that we'll have peace in the world? that we shouldn't be fighting each other, Pakistan and India, or Vietnam and the Americans, so that we can live peacefully with each other, with affection, with kindliness, which is totally lacking in the world. The world is terribly brutal. full of hatred, antagonism, jealousy, envy, if you've got a better job, I want that job too, if you've got more money, I want more money, if you are clever, I also want to be clever. Fight, 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 all lifelong. So seeing all that, how does one bring about order? so that we can live peacefully with each other, work together, cooperate.
1: The second extract is from the second talk at Brockwood Park in 1980, titled, Discontent is Good.
0: Our life is a constant movement in isolation. That's a fact. Each one of us is so occupied with himself, with his. Ambitions with his lack of fulfillment, with his progress, with his, you know. This self centered activity is isolating, building a wall around yourself, and then stretching your hand over the wall to another. And is it possible to live in this world without this movement? Please, this is a very serious question. Never, we are always seeking fulfilment, or being wanting, Dissatisfied. You know, discontent is good. We are too satisfied with most things as we are. We accept our our politicians, our preachers, our authorities, and I hope you haven't got any gurus, if you, have, you accept them, and their foolishness, and so on so on. We are so easily satisfied and smother this flame of discontent. Right? Discontent is a factor. The more it burns, the clearer the mind becomes. But we are so easily satisfied, gratified. And one asks, can there be an end to all discontent? Because part of this discontent is fear. And why is one discontent? This longing for something which you haven't got. Right? Longing for some happy relationship where you can have some peace of mind. That is, where there is discontent there is always the search for content. You understand all this? Move, please, let's move together. Can there be discontent by itself? Or is it always associated with something? I'm dissatisfied with my house, with my wife, with my job, with my uh, looks, with my hair, with... Oh, God knows what else. Is discontent born out of comparison? Why do we compare? I know he said, uh, through comparison there's progress and all the rest of it. But the idea of comparison—you only compare with something, the, with something that you haven't got, right? I wonder if you follow. And this comparison is always a battle, a struggle, and. Part of this discontent is, comparis- is comparison. When there is no comparison whatsoever, psychologically, or even physically, is there discontent? What is discontent by in itself, per se, Is there such thing as being disc- discontented in itself or always with regard to something? You are following my question? Unless we understand this, we will not only un- discover the nature of fear and the ending of fear, but we have to understand this too. I mean, all this commercialism is comparison. More, 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 more. Which is different from need and so on, we won't go into it. So, can the mind be free of all comparison, not only physically, how you look compared to another, and you know all that business. It's really commercialism. Also, can to end comparison with your the image you have set to put to your image that you have built, so that you are comparing yourself with the image that you have. You. Know? Can you end all that so that there is never a sense of discontent? Which doesn't mean you are satisfied, which is the opposite. But the understanding, the learning about discontent, It's a, it's a flame, it's a something that you must have. But if it's not understood, it destroys everything.
1: The third extract is from the third question and answer meeting in Sanin, 1980. Titled, Discontent without a cause.
0: The questioner says, I'm discontented. Not only with what you are saying, but with everything around me. With my job, with my wife, with my husband, with my girlfriend and so on, so on, oh, boy, whatever it is. I'm discontented. And that is the common lot for most of us. Either it becomes a consuming flame or it is dampened down. by seeking some kind of satisfaction in various activities of life. And this content, instead of allowing it to become consuming flame, most of us, almost destroyed. We are so easily satisfied, we are so gullible, we are so ready to accept, and so gradually our discontent withers away and we become the normal, mediocre, human beings without any vitality, without any energy, without any urge to do anything. But the questioner says, I've been through all that. I've read a great deal. I've thought about life a great deal. Probably have been all over the world. And I've not found an answer to this discontent and people who are thoughtful, aware of what is happening around them and in themselves, aware that politics, science, religion has not answered any of our deep human problems. They have technologically evolved, developed, and so on. But inwardly, I am discontent. And listening to you as the speaker, I am more disturbed, more discontented, and Antagonistic to what you are. What is wrong with you and your what you are saying? Or there's something wrong with me. First of all, let us be very clear that. When there is discontent, is that discontent per se, you understand? Per se, in itself, or you are discontented with something? I may be discontented with the world with the philosophies, with the various instructions of various religions. But that discontent is with something, towards something or in something. It is not the discontent which has no cause, and therefore, can be ended. So, as we said the other day, where there is a cause, there is an end. Is this discontent, has this discontent a cause? And therefore, it can be resolved. Ended. Or, This discontent has no cause. Please go with with the speaker, we are sharing this question together. As we said, one can be discontented with so many things, as human beings are, better house, better this and better that, you understand? The moment there is a measure, there is, must be discontent. You've understood this? I want. I'll go on. You. I'm glad you are antagonistic to what is being said. Instead of accepting and sitting quietly and saying yes, but I'm antagonistic to you. I don't accept. You're causing me much more disturbance. I feel frustrated. Therefore, I'm urged toward this sense of antagonistic attitude. So, we must be very clear. Well, this discontent has a cause, and if it has a cause, then that discontent is seeking contentment, satisfaction, gratification. So this discontent creates the opposite, To be contented, to be satisfied, to be uh, completely bourgeois like the communist song. And if that is this search desire, if that is what you want when you are deeply discontented, to find something with which you can be completely contented, never to be disturbed, then that discontent will find a way to, fi- to gather satisfaction. And therefore that discontent is withered, gone. Perhaps that's what most of us are doing. Probably all of you, if I may point out, you are discontented. You have been to this, to that, to that talk, to that person, and so on, so on, and you perhaps, come here, wanting some kind of satisfaction, some kind of certainty, some kind of assurance, some gratifying truth. And if that is so, then you will find satisfaction very easily which most of us do in the kitchen in some aspect of religion or enter politics left, right, centre or extreme extreme right and carry on This is what generally happens with all of us. And so you gradually, inevitably, narrow down the mind, make the mind small. And the capacity of the brain is so immense, you have reduced it, To mere satisfaction. And if you are not satisfied with anything, if you are discontented with the whole universe, as the question of course, not we why because you haven't got a house, or you haven't got money, or you have not, you know, at that level. So is this discontent has no cause? And therefore it's a discontented, discontent in itself, not because of something. Is that clear? Am I making this... We are getting together, are making this clear? That is, if I am seeking... I am discontent, if I am seeking contentment, that's very simple and very easy. But if I am totally, completely dissatisfied with everything, with the government, with the religion, with science, politics, everything. And such people are rare. Such people have this flame of discontent. And perhaps you, such a person, comes here, listens, reads, hears, and that discontent increases. It becomes all-consuming. So what shall we do? You understand the question clearly? What shall we do with a human being who is totally and completely dissatisfied with all the structure of thought? As I said, such a person is a very rare human being. To such a person one can meet, because he is in – please listen carefully – he is in an immovable state. Right? He is not seeking, he is not wanting, he is not pursuing something or other. He is aflame with this thing. And the speaker is also immovable. Right? You understand what I am saying? What he says is so, not because he is dogmatic, superstitious, romantic or self-assertive. He says that if you know, comprehend your consciousness, with its content and the freeing of that consciousness from its content, there is a totally different dimension. He has said this for sixty years, not because he, he has invented it, it is so, he has discussed with scientists, philosophers, great scholars, and so on. And they have acknowledged, some of them, it, that it is so. Scientists seek that which is beyond through matter. And the speaker says, Human beings, with their brain and heart and mind, are matter, process. And instead of looking matter outside you, enquire into this matter, your in who you, are, who you are, matter, and you can go much more further. That and more he has said ending of sorrow, ending of fear, and so on. And there are these two entities, one, are you following all this? One completely discontented. Nothing satisfies him. Words, books, ideas, leaders, politics, science, nothing. And so he's in a state of immobility. And the other is equally, will not budge, will not yield. Are you following this? What happens? When two human beings, one completely from his depth of mind and heart dissatisfied. And the other, from the depth of his mind and the depth of his heart, and so on, says it is so. There are these two entities meet. Is ever what I'm saying? It's not romantic. It's not something invented. Something out of Imagination, this is so. One feels antagonistic to the other, which means he has already moved. I don't know if you follow it. He has not remained completely dissatisfied. Moment he says, I am antagonistic to you, or you are talking all that, he has moved away from what is, what is burning. Therefore, he has already suffered. I wonder if you understand this. And the other has no antagonism says it so. When this person meets the other without antagonism, without wanting something from the speaker, then he is alike. Have you understood this? I will. No, I see, you don't understand this. If this discontent develops antagonism, it is no longer discontent. Right? And so he is a flame with what he calls discontent. It's a flame. And the other two is a flame. Is then both are the same. Far is a fire. It's not your fire and my fire, it's far. When the fire is dampened, then the two are different. So we so if I if the speaker may ask, are you as a human being? living in this terrible world, and if you have followed, they are saying within fifty years the earth will be almost inhabitable. What is your condition of discontent? Is it merely puerile, childish, immature, or you are a human being totally aflame with discontent? Never developing a reaction against that, being frustrated, being antagonistic. But let that flame be alive. Then both are the same.
1: The fourth extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Sanan, 1977, titled, The Tremendous Flame of Discontent.
0: We are educated from childhood to exercise as deeply as possible every form of effort. If you observe yourself, you will see what tremendous efforts we make to control ourselves, to suppress, to adjust, to modify ourselves to certain conclusions, pattern ourselves according to some patterns or according to an objective that you or another has established, And so there is this constant struggle – you must have noticed it. One lives with it and one dies with it. And we are asking if it is possible to live daily life without a single conflict. And as most of us somewhat awakened to all the problems, political, religious, economic, social, ideological and so on, when you are a little bit aware of all that, there must be discontent, as most of us are dissatisfied. When you are young, This dissatisfaction becomes like a flame. And it you have passion to do something. So you join some political party. The extreme left, the extreme revolutionary, the extreme forms of uh, Jesus freaks, and so on, so on, so on. And by joining adopting certain attitudes certain ideologies that flame of discontent is fades away because you are then satisfied you say i have this is what i want to do and you pour your heart into it and gradually you find that is if you are at all awake to all the problems involved that doesn't satisfy but it's too late You have already given half your life to something which you thought will be completely worthwhile. But when you find it a little bit later on that it is not, then I am afraid one's energy, capacity, drive has withered away. One must have noticed (coughs) that our discontent with regard to politics, why we are governed, by whom we are governed, for what purpose are we governed. The discontent that questions the religious attitudes, the religious dogmas, the orthodoxy of the priests, the gurus, the discontent questions it, doubts it, and gradually you, like somebody or some idea, Or your girlfriend says, that is the right thing to do, old boy, go after it. And you want to please her, and so you adjust yourself to that pattern. So gradually this real flame of discontent withers away. You must have noticed it in yourself, in your children, in the young people and the neighbours. This is the pattern that is followed all the time, generation after generation. Is it possible – we are talking over together, I am not laying down the law, we are investigating, exploring into something that is really worthwhile if you go into it very, very deeply – Most of us, fortunately, if you are at all alive to things, are discontented. And not to allow that discontent to be squashed, destroyed by the desire to be satisfied, by the desire to adjust oneself to the environment, to the establishment, or to a new ideal, to a new utopia. But to allow this flame to keep on burning, not be satisfied with anything, then the superficial satisfactions have no place. Then you are, this very dissatisfaction is demanding something much greater than the ideals, the gurus, the religions, the establishment, all ecology and so on, they become totally superficial. And that very flame of discontent, because it has no outlet, because it has no object in which it can fulfill itself, that flame becomes a great passion and that passion is this intelligence you are you, you are following what I mean? am i making this clear no, not verbally is it clear to you who must be dissatisfied with your husband, with your wife, with your girl, your boy, with the society, with this with the environment, with all the ugly things that are going on. In the name of politics, government. If you do if you do not if you are not caught in some of these superficial, reactionary, essentially reactionary, all of them, then that extraordinary flame is intensified. And that intensity brings about a quality of mind that is that has a deep insight instantly into things, and therefore from that there is, there is action. So, as most of us here, and I hope it is a fact, that most people, that you who are here, are dissatisfied. Right? Why are you governed? By whom are you governed? For what purpose are you governed? That is one question. Why do we accept the religious patterns of any kind, whether the religious patterns of the, of the ancient Hindus, their tradition, their superstition, their authority, their worship of tradition, or the Zen Buddhism, Zen meditation, or the transcendental meditation, everything, not to be satisfied. It doesn't make you nervous, it doesn't bring about imbalance. It, there is imbalance only when, you are, when this dissatisfaction is translated or caught in a trap of some kind or another. Then there is a distortion. Then there is all kinds of fights inwardly. So, since you are here, and you must obviously, if I may point out, you must be dissatisfied, including with what we are saying. Right? right. And to be aware of this flame, and not allow superficial temptations and be caught by them – right? Will you do, are we doing this now as we are talking over together, or having been caught in these various traps, can you put them aside, wipe them out, destroy them, do what you like, but have this tremendous fame of discontent now? It doesn't mean you go and throw bombs at people, destroy, physical revolution, violence, But when you put aside all the traps that man has created around you and you have created for yourself, then this flame becomes a supreme intelligence. And that intelligence gives you insight. And when you have an insight, from that there is immediate action. Right? Am I, are we following something? Right, sir? But I am <coughs> very keen on this. Huh? Because to me, action, is not tomorrow. An action, it has been a great problem with great many people, with deep thinkers, action without cause, action without motive, action not dependent on some ideology, which is the ideologies in the future. and and there is constant adjustment to that ideology, therefore there is conflict. So it has been one of the demands of serious people to find out if there is an action which is per se, for itself, which is without cause and motive. I don't know if you have ever asked this question of yourself, and I hope you are asking it now. Is there an action in life, in daily life, in which there's no motive, there's no cause, and therefore see what's implied in it. No regrets, no retention of those regrets and all the sequence that follow from that regret. A thing, it doesn't depend on some past or future. So when he's asking, is there an action in daily life, daily life, which we know what it means, what's involved in it, where action is always free. And this action is possible only when there is insight born of intelligence.
1: The final extract in this episode is from the seventh talk in New Delhi, 1964, titled Total Discontent
0: to find out what is a really, truly religious life, one has to be totally discontent, and that's one of our great difficulties, to be totally, completely discontented, because we are so easily satisfied with a particular theory or a particular answer that satisfies a problem that can easily be resolved, or we think by joining a particular political or economic pattern, we have somewhat satisfied this discontent that most of us have. And to be, to sustain this discontent and not find as in an easy answer. Because most of us want an easy answer, a pill, a tranquilizer, to put us to sleep, to guarantee us a certain way of life. We have to... Be very attentive and watchful, not to accept any form or theory or pattern or concept that will momentarily or even uh, for many years to satisfy us. So the first demand, it seems to me, is to be discontent. And it's one of the most painful things in life, to be discontented, (laughs) and not to be easily satisfied. You know, it's very easy to pile up words, listen to many talks, read innumerable books. And we think we have understood something. And probably most of you who have attended these meetings will think you have got something little bit here and patches there. I'm afraid you will not have completely understood what has been said or what is going to be said if you take a particular feel which appeals to you in these talks and be satisfied with the particular answer. We are concerned with the total answer, not with a particular answer. We are concerned with the total comprehension of life, not a particular comprehension of a particular part of life. So we have to take what has, take the whole of it or none of it. Because what has been said and what is going to be said is (coughs) related and not fragmentary. So to find out what is a religious mind, and that is very important, because religion is the only factor that can cover the whole of existence, and not fragmentary existence. The whole of our life can be contained in the enquiry and the understanding of what is a religious life. Because religion, not the things that we know as religion, which are all spurious and sheer, unadulterated nonsense, but the real enquiry into what is a religious life Because without understanding what is a religious life, and living it, actually not theoretically, we shall not be able to solve the many increasing and conflicting problems. Because to me, the religious life is the key, is the door to all our problems. And therefore, we have to understand it. It's imperative – at least, I feel it's imperative – that human beings who have lived for so long, who have not solved their problems, who are still living in fragments with despair, with anxiety, with no love, broken up, unrelated. And to bring about a a harmonious cohesion in all our activities, through all our thoughts, it is imperative that we understand what is a religious life. And to understand what is a religious life, one must be discontented. You know, most of us are discontented because we have not a good job. We are not so intelligent as somebody else. We don't look so beautiful as that woman next door. We haven't got a big car, a better house, better job, or we we haven't fulfilled ourselves. And the moment... You have a better house, a better car, a better refrigerator. We are satisfied, at least temporarily, till a better refrigerator is invented. So, we are discontented with little things and are so terribly satisfied with little things. And one has to be extremely aware of this superficial gratification with petty things, petty answers, quoting innumerable religious, so called religious teachers. And we think we have understood when we quote the Gita, the Quran, or the Bible, or some other book we think we have captured some spirit of a religious life, which again is utter nonsense. So we must be extremely alert not to be caught in superficial actions and to remain and to contain a total discontent with everything, with politics, with religion, with social, with communist, any political party, totally discontent. And then only, then we can begin to inquire. I hope this evening, at least, that you and I are in that state of mind that is not easily gratified, that is capable of intense passion, because only when a mind is discontent totally there is passion, there is intensity. And you need this intensity, the energy of passion, to find out what's the religious life. Otherwise, we remain petty, narrow, limited, functioning with a mind that's second hand and therefore inefficient, never knowing something original. So, discontent, total discontent, gives this passion. Because real passion has no motive. It is not urged by something objectively or subjectively. It's only when you are completely dissatisfied with everything, with your relationship, with your wife, with yourself, with society, with every form of escape that man has offered, or you have invented for yourself. It's only then that you have this extraordinary energy. And you need this energy. Because to find out what is a religious life is not to find out the pattern of a religious life, what to do, what to wear, what to think, and how to control, to be a bachelor, and all that stupid stuff. But one has to have this energy without a motive, without a direction, and that comes only when there is this deep, unresolved, unsatisfiable discontent. When that is clear, I hope we are communicating or communing with each other non verbally. Because then, if you are in a state of communion with each other, then we can begin to inquire what is not a religious life. Because, you know, the highest form of thinking is negative thinking. And when you begin to discard so that your mind is not cluttered up with so-called positive assertions of so many teachers, of your priests, or politicians, or your gurus, or what you have read. It's only when the mind discerns, sees clearly the truth in the false, which is the negative. then out of that negative process of observation, looking, observing, attention, then you'll find out what is true. Therefore, to find out what is true in the false is the origin of discontent. not only in what the speaker is saying, but in everything, what every politician says, to see the falseness and the truth in the false. <laughs> what your guru, your books, your, polit- your party leaders, to see what is false, And to see the truth in the false and to see the truth as true, can only come about when the mind is is in that state of negation. And therefore, the capacity to discern, to look, to observe, to see